0: it's Jeanette here. If you're enjoying Brave Bold Brilliant, I'd love it if you'd subscribe, share with your friends and leave a five-star review. Let's do it. Here's the show. Welcome to the Brave Bold Brilliant podcast. I am your host Jeanette Linfoot and I am here today with Juha Jarvinen. The Chief Commercial Officer of Virgin Atlantic. Welcome.
1: Nice to be here.
0: (laughs) So we're here in Soho House, very trendy, very cool. Yes, very
1: cool. We've (laughs) got our own podcast room.
0: (laughs) And they've just turned the music off for us as well. So this is perfect. Very on brand, may I say. (laughs)
1: <laughs> we're happy to work with great brands like so House.
0: <laughs> Brilliant. So we're going to kick off you, if we may, with your journey, your story, a little bit where life started for you, and then we're just going to dig in from there. Is that all right?
1: Yeah, sounds good. Perfect. Yes. So I'm a 45 year old Finn. Um, I live, live now in the UK or in London for two and a half. But in total, I lived here before as well as so in total seven years. Born in Finland originally to a very working class family. Um, actually traveled abroad, properly traveled on a plane when I was 16. So I was actually quite latecomer. Maybe that's the reason I got into the aviation. I've been waiting way too many years to actually fly, fly, fly in a plane. Um, So born, born in Finland, did my schools, um, graduated in Finland, but then always wanted to go abroad. I think that was maybe sort of one of the key reasons in my life. I always felt I want to see the world or explore the world. So after I finished my military service uh, back in Finland. I wanted to study, study in, in the UK, so I applied for university. I did my undergraduate here in London. I studied at London Metropolitan uh, Travel and Tourism Management. That was my bachelor degree. Um, so I moved here in 96 um, and lived here a bit over four years to start with when I finished my studies and uh, during that period, when I was studying, we had the industrial placement as part of the um, undergraduate study. So I applied for probably 20 different airlines. I n- always knew that I wanted to work for an airline. I got replies for three, from th- three airlines with an offer. Lufthansa with no pay, uh, <laughs> Finna- Finnair uh, back in Finland um, to work in a call center, and SAS Scandinavian Airlines to work in a call center operations in the UK. I actually decided to go to Finland. Um, after, after two years, I worked there for ten days. I realized this is not for me. I want to go back to London. Moved back to London. Got a still got a job at SAS. Uh, so I actually started my career properly in uh, in the call center environment in 1998 um, at London Heathrow, with the most beautiful, stunning views over Heathrow runways, taking calls from UK and Ireland customers uh, wanted to fly with Virgin Atlantic.
0: Brilliant. So, was it 14 years at SAS? Yes.
1: So I started with the call centre. Uh, I graduated then finally in the year 2000. Uh, and then I was offered a job um, back in Finland to run their call centre operations. So I was then becoming supervisor. I was doing that for a year. But then they wanted to actually centralise all their European call handling uh, into Estonia. So I got that, basically start from scratch, build a European call, call centre. So I moved to Tallinn, Estonia. I lived there for four years to build it up to almost close to 200 people, call center, closing down all the European offices. That was probably the biggest considering my age. I was I was like 24, 25 um, back then to actually go through that turnaround process, transformation project, actually doing things where majority of the country leaders didn't want me to do. Basically Mm -hmm. close down offices in Europe, move them to a lower cost. Um, call center. So try to convince much older colleagues than me um, to go through that uh, and build up a call center in a, in, a, in a, back then, of course, considered Eastern European country. You can imagine there's a lot of opinions about that. That It's never going to work. Mm. How can you handle French calls in uh, Estonia, etc. So I would say that that formed me a lot as a leader to really go through that, actually force actually in a way, force through that change
0: mm.
1: in a project where many people didn't believe that it's going to work. And that really gave me that sort of um, braveness to fight for the good because it was great for the people who we employed. It was the right thing for the company to centralize and lower costs um, and actually create a much better contact center that SAS ever had in Europe. Um, um, So that I'm still probably the most proud of that period considering the age I was and it then became an independent company within SAS uh, and it finally then sold as an in-source call call center company. So still there nowadays run by Sutherland call center company. So it's it's an established company that we created, which is, of course, I'm very proud of.
0: Yeah, fantastic.
1: And then after that, quickly, I moved to Crown Handling, the airport operations. Never had no previous experience. I became the MD for, for that subsidiary within SAS uh, in Northern Europe. So or Eastern Europe, uh, Finland and uh, Russia and, and Baltics. Did that for one and a year and a half loss making unit. We trans- transformed that into a break even. Then I got a chance to run a a smaller regional airline called Blue One. It doesn't exist anymore, but it was part of SAS. I was the chief commercial officer for four years. One year in Stockholm and after that sort of 13, 14 year, I thought now I want to do something, work for somebody else. Uh, So I approached Finnair, of course, back then my national airline. Uh, They offered me a job as running their cargo operations. I had seriously no previous experience, Um, so I took over there uh, Finair cargo subsidiary as a managing director with our own freighters, our sales, uh, our terminal operations, warehouse operations. I did that then for three, four years. Um, again, a bit similar challenge, losing money. How do we trans- transform that into a profitable operation? Restructuring, a lot of trade unions, um, different type of complexity. Um, and then on the third year, I got then approached to become a CCO for Vinair. Uh Finair was expanding uh, into Asia with the new fleet, with the new Helsinki hub, building that new terminal capacity. Um, So I did that for another four years uh, as a CCO for Finnair. Uh, But then let's fast forward into June 2018. I still remember I was in Los Angeles on a holiday. I got an email from a headhunter that would have been interested in Virgin Atlantic. Um, And Virgin Atlantic is one of those magical brands that you've always followed. Even though by that date, I'd never flown. Virgin Atlantic. And I still remember that magic moment when I re- opened that email. It's like, bloody hell. Um, that's something that I need to go and explore. Of course, it took quite many months, the recruiting process, but then I finally got the chance to take over the role in January 2019. So yes, now two and a half years in. Uh, of course, out of that two and a half years, one and a half, it's been pandemic crazy. Um, but we have... We have been fighting through that crisis, which, of course, have learned me many other new skills.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Gosh, there's so much in here. So we're going to get into about what it's like running an airline during a global pandemic in a minute. Um, But just going back, there's a common theme on a lot of the roles you've done around transformation, growth, turnaround, going in and dealing with the really difficult situations. Um, So was that something that you sort of... Sought and look, looked out for, or did you attract those? Let's call them opportunities towards you. You know, or is that just something that you you genuinely like to go in and, and, and solve problems? Um, what would you say?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a good question because when I was uh, when I was young, when I was a child or a teenager, I actually was very shy. Right. It's, I mean, I was in school context. I was the the guy observing in the background. I was not the one who was running the show. I was very shy. Um, as a person I think then actually when I moved to Helsinki first and then to London that really sort of opened my my eyes my life in many ways so I became more brave
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, to share my my opinions um, and I think but one thing I think that is sort of the thread re- here is the curiosity yes. which is very curious which sometimes when you go into the uncomfortable zone of something that you don't actually know is the curiosity of exploring it um, which strikes me um, and that has really been sort of a common theme you could say throughout the career that I've sort of jumped into a business area that I didn't actually have previous experience on but I was curious about
0: mm. learning it
1: mm. um, um, and also maybe another thing I just love working with people I just um, it's always very important to me to have a right of course the right team around you but also in a wider context take people to the next next journey
0: yeah and you mentioned when you were chatting around having to deal with the trade unions having to you know maybe have older people on your team and and you know get them to buy into what you were trying to do so a lot around sort of bringing people with you and stakeholder engagement because that's a key part of being a leader isn't it actually Absolutely. being able to bring everyone with you so when you were in situations where you would get pushback and maybe sort of people saying oh it'll never work how did you deal with that? What was your approach and in terms of bringing people round to your way of thinking and getting them on board?
1: I think I have to say that even gives me more energy when I get that push back. It's like now we go back and work even harder together with the team that I had to prove the point that we can deliver it. Mm. Um So you need to showcase by example. I think that that is... um I don't mind a conflict, but I'm not I don't get energy out of a conflict, but it does give me energy to go back and replan, redo and improve, improve and then showcase and then nobody can counter argue that. And I think that's what we did with the contact center set up back then, that we sort of actually showcased that we can handle all these European languages actually with much more experienced staff in terms of education and language skills than any of the any of the markets had before. it was just very powerful and of course then you see the your own staff how excited they are Mm. they were living their dream working for an airline in a in a sort of very sort of emerging country previously none of them had any chance to travel now suddenly they worked for a a significant airline they could travel around the world just the shine through those people and see how they enjoyed that it's it's so powerful
0: yeah so and, and just coming back you were saying that you were quite shy as a kid um, and I guess taking the energy externally from those people around you gives you the confidence, yeah. doesn't it? Especially if you're more of an introverted personality. Very yeah. often, you you know, you kind of need that external energy to, to sort of lift you up. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: and and when you were growing up then, as a kid, what what was life like? Because because obviously there's a cultural difference here. You know, for me, sort of being brought up in in the UK, and you being brought up in Finland, w- are there big differences it, culturally? For like you know, it. it... No, I've you see or not I think
1: so overall, not, not so much necessarily culturally, but um, of course, I had a very sort of calm, nice family life, very, very normal life. So in that sense, um, as I said before, we didn't travel when we were young, so we're very yeah. sort of local. Um, but I was always curious about either reading, you know, through TV, seeing different travel programs, you saw the world, which is out there. And, and I just decided myself, I want to go and explore. Um and that has really driven me always. Um, so I had a very, of course, very, Finland is probably one of the happiest places on earth, <laughs> both in terms of education, also it's, it's a good standard of living, you, you are in a safe, safe environment, but it's always the unknown that has sort of given me that Trigger, to explore.
0: <laughs> and did you have brothers maybe and it was, sisters?
1: May, maybe it was too calm.
0: <laughs> maybe, maybe you're the rebel deep down inside, the quiet rebel. Um, yeah. So, did you have brothers and sisters? Then you. Yeah, had?
1: I have one brother, uh, Yari. He's two years younger, um, so he's an entrepreneur. He has his own um, own company forecasting. He's he he's the math side of the family, so he's definitely done uh, all these fancy forecasting models. Um, so yeah, and he has four kids. Um, and I'm married. Um, I'm married to Johan. Funny. Same name. Yeah. That uh, makes life easier or, or more difficult. Um, <laughs> so we've been married now over 10 years.
0: Wow. Where did you guys meet then?
1: The classical, the internet, uh, the good old times. Um, but yeah, we've been together for a long time. And it's it's um, maybe that's also the side of me that then calms me down. We, are, we really enjoy spending time together, travel or at home watching yeah. TV. And that sort of calms me down because otherwise I have quite crazy work life.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and what what, what kind of personality is here? Are you, are you quite different then? As, as, yeah, he's very calm.
1: He's very, uh, he's also much more introvert than I am, but sort of very much a home guy. Um, he's now um, actually studying Spanish at home, so he's not working at the moment. Um, takes care of the home. Yeah. When I have the other, other, the crazy part of it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's quite balanced.
0: So important, though, isn't it? Because I find this with I'm a bit I'm more of the crazy one in, in out of the two of us. My, Chris, my other half, he's very he's he's very supportive, but he's much more you know prefers the, to not be in the limelight. I'm much more kind of out there. But actually, as a team, you know the, that balance. Yeah. It, it just it, that I think is where if you're in a really pressured role like you are in a big corporate corporate role high profile you need that balance that stability at home don't you i think anyway and and actually very often people will see the person that's in the in the limelight um as being the one that's successful and kind of out there but the reality is you can't be successful if you haven't got that support network a partner or family or whatever around you yeah. and uh, i think sometimes those those people don't get the credit they deserve <laughs> no 100
1: agree i mean he's equally big part of my life and, and if we think about the pandemic and um, we literally went through a very crazy crazy 2020 like everyone did but even business-wise um publicly quoted of course Virgin atlantic went through a very t- tough restructuring mm-hmm. if i wouldn't have had that support at home uh, and actually get out of when you leave the, the Zoom call uh, yeah. or plenty of them, regardless if it's a Sunday or Saturday or Friday night. When you leave the call and you you can actually just have, have a nice meal and glass of wine. That that is what I needed, mm. um, and that's what I think majority of people need. They have that balance in life that there is life beyond those that Zoom call or beyond that crazy crisis that you're in the middle of. Yeah. Um, and it's important and you're, you're 100% right that sometimes um, those support people, the other halves are not valued enough.
0: Yeah, yeah. so let's talk about Virgin Atlantic then because iconic brand you said you were really excited when you got the initial approach and you can understand that um how has it been how has the reality been versus the perception of when you first got that call <laughs> versus where you are now a couple of years later having you know gone through a really difficult time in terms of you know running an airline through a global pandemic um
1: definitely 2019 was <laughs> was pre-pandemic I really got the first virgin dose um the good old virgin and I I think the I would say definitely it meets the uh, criteria or the expectation that I had in terms of as a brand, as, as, as to the, as the, how the company is run. Um, I think the biggest difference I have compared to the previous um, companies I work for is actually th- people have always played an important role in all, all those companies, mm. but I think it's, it's the breed of people almost feel like people are handpicked in a sense that you feel that they, are, they love the engagement with the colleagues, they love the, they love the brand and it's so powerful and it of course it all re- originates for, with Sir Richard Branson of course the owner mm, our founder because he's always been very involved he still is he was very involved um also in 2020 in the middle of the crisis and as people see virgin atlantic as being him even though he owns now 51% he doesn't own 100% but he is Mr Virgin He mm. is he's the one who stands behind it and Respecting people, respecting all the employees, has always been his one of his key key beliefs, and and it has really been visible. Even though we went through a massive restructure in twenty twenty, where roughly forty five percent of our, our colleagues had to leave company, it's a massive number. Uh, we're five thousand people, or close to five thousand people. Um, even people who were leaving, it's just. The comments you get, how much they love the brand, and they hope to return. It's just, and it depends how you how you how you handle how you deal with people in that kind of very difficult situation. You can do it in many different ways. And I think Virgin Atlantic in this case as well handled them as as well as we can, and of course with the message that you know we hope many of you will come back yeah. when the times are better. Um, and it's just great to see. So I think that is sort of the biggest difference. I would say that is really the, the love to the brand. It's more than a company; it's actually the brand mm. that attracts, um, which is great to see. And of course, then we have all our sister companies. Uh, some of them we are more closely aligned than others, but every any, every, any company that carries the Virgin Virgin Master brand um, has a powerful role to play, and it's really the purpose, the the DNA of the brand which drives and motivates people
0: mm, yeah and actually i think virgin has always stood for innovation um sort of pushing the boundaries if you like you know, and, and actually coming up with new ways to disrupt um do you still see that in virgin atlantic today and in virgin holidays is that still a, a theme <laughs>
1: I would say, of course, when we, we were established back in 84 and, of course, Virgin Atlantic came out a bit of a cheeky, bit of a sort of mm. glimpse on the eye uh, airline, which I think the industry needed back then. Yeah. Um, of course, we have grown a bit more mature, <clears throat> so we, it, it is important that we attract all types of passengers, um, being it corporate travelers or being leisure travelers. We believe our core focus customer segment is uh, experience ex- embracers, people who want to explore the world, sort of very similar to maybe... A, we can all relate to ourselves. Mm. Um, so we have matured, but I think fundamentally we still are the ones who go for the extra mile. We want to find new innovations. We want to find new ways of doing things. Um, and it's still part of our DNA. But we have grown a bit more mature.
0: You're more more of a, a, a petulant teenager. Exactly. Maybe. Oh, no. a
1: good sort of a 30, 36, 37-year-old. Yeah.
0: like us glamping at the festival this weekend still trying to convince ourselves we're young but um and what have you learned about yourself through through this whole kind of period of of of, you know leading the team leading the business making the tough decisions um in order to kind of survive really as well as, as flourish out the other side of it what have you learned about yourself as a leader do you think
1: i think one thing which we um which I think we have all learned, it's the, there's not a, never enough enough communication, how do you pre, keep the teams informed and mm. briefed? Because, of course, for a long time, we had a lot of people, majority of people were on furlough, so we, on a, on a monthly basis, sometimes teams, on a weekly basis, just kept everyone informed. Of course, with Zoom, it was easier, mm. just keeping everyone on board. What's going on? What's happening? Because everybody's desperate for information, and, of course, this has lasted a lot longer than any, any of us have hoped for, and we're still in a crisis. I think what I've learned, learned myself is really to to take that distance sometimes and try to always stay above the water type of thing because because these kind of crises can really pull you down yeah because you can literally work twenty four seven but you can't you cannot because you need to also you need to protect yourself in order to protect others mm. um, and if we don't stay afloat and we don't stay above the waterline then nobody nobody survives so we need to show examples. What I'm also trying to be also protective of the teams I'm responsible for to make sure that people get time or people have the balance because the healthier we are, and more balanced we are, we make better decisions um, and obviously give better service to our customers. Um, so how to, how to manage yourself and others in a crisis, especially in a crisis which has lasted such a long time.
0: Yeah. And, and what, what are the sort of the daily routines that you would have to make sure that you keep yourself in the best sort of, I suppose, mental, physical shape? Are there certain things that are non-negotiable in your life or do you find that sometimes just work takes over and everything else goes goes out the window?
1: Yeah, I mean, sometimes, of course, the work <laughs> takes over. That is just reality. Let's not lie on that. Um, but what I try to do is to actually have try to sleep more. Yeah. We should never underestimate the importance of sleep. Um exercise I definitely exercise more now and and I think what we all appreciate by it, the fact that we can work from home now more than in the past is to actually you can you can do that in the middle of today you know go for a run go for a walk it let's not let's not get stuck to the eight to six or nine to seven mm-hmm. you know you, you actually can majority of our work we can do whenever we we want to when are we most productive mm-hmm. so let's come out of this sort of nine to five or nine to six whatever times you work and realize that you now we can flex yeah. to, to work out with your PT or go for a hairdresser do it in the middle of the day and that's okay yeah. but I think it's, it's just notice how difficult it is because we, we are raised to act in a certain way that Monday to Friday this and this you go to the office and actually we don't do that anymore mm. so how do we move away from that so I think that's definitely one learning then one, one thing which I'm trying to be consistent of that stop reading emails at certain time I try to sort of either eight or nine usually nine but i don't look at those emails just before i go to bed yeah because majority of stuff can wait until the morning don't read them just before you go to bed yeah unless there's of course there's something concrete burning but just sort of few disciplines because actually you will sleep better at least that works for me
0: yeah yeah you're right we are addicted to our phones I know mm. I'm 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 terrible I try to I try really hard to do exactly what you say and then I do
1: look I think, at my mobile after that but yeah, not like, working man <laughs> <laughs>
0: social media as well is like can put a big pressure as well, yeah, can't yeah. it, you know, and especially for a brand like Virgin, because, you know, I suppose everyone is watching, the world is watching, you know, because of, of the profile of the brand is so high. And, and, and also the profile of your position, you know, as chief commercial officer, you've got massive responsibility um so so in 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 that respect when it comes to diversity and inclusion so you're a very happily married gay man in the travel industry in a very senior role at virgin has that ever come up as a as an issue or as a negative at all because it always strikes me that virgin is a very inclusive organization and welcomes all sexual preferences cultures etc is that is that is that is that the reality? Um, or did you ever find in your career as you were progressing that it was an issue at all, or has it always been been quite quite accepting of, of I, your choices?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. Um, when I was younger, I mean, of course, I probably in the age of, pretty early on. Of course, you know what you what your preferences are. You you do learn to hide it though. Even though sometimes now, when I retrospectively think about it, mm. I think it's some most of the time it's completely unnecessary. But I think. Many people, regardless of where the people live, they learn to hide people's sexuality just because people perceive that it might be an issue to someone. And of course, I have some friends who've had major issues with their parents. I never had that myself or friends. But you learn to hide it or you learn to just not talk about it. And I think that was how I was as well for a long time. Um, When I worked for SAS or Finair, I think everybody sort of know, but it was never really explicitly said. Sure. Because I didn't feel it's not, you know, it's part of my life, clearly. But it's not—it's not why it's not my work profile. I'm, mm. I'm here for the work. I'm not here for my private life. And Absolutely. I think for a long time that was the clear message. The difference that with Virgin was ever since the interview, um, my boss Shy Weiss was very open about it. You know, about asking my private life. You know, about my husband, and I sort of was forced to talk about it
0: okay, because yeah. you
1: were learning to hide it, and that's quite common. In the Virgin Atlantic, we also have something that theme called, um, one of our principles is Be Yourself. So we have even our workplace, which is our internal portal. We have a separate page for Be Yourself where we actually ask people to share about their lives. You know, it could be about somebody's sexuality, it could be that somebody has a disability, somebody has had a sickness in the family. It's just really about being yourself and share mm-hmm. if you have issues that you want not actually proactively tell to your colleagues uh, what they are post pictures, and that was probably on day five or day 10. I can't remember exactly which day I posted in that page that, you know, my name's Juha, I've now joined the company. I'm your new chief commercial officer and I'm married to, you see Juha. Um, and with pictures from our holidays. And that was like, it might sound like a small thing, but actually there's a big thing to do yeah. in a new company. Um, and it's been always very, something that Richard Branson has actually If you think about it, he was a student in the 60s, which was, of course, a very different world. Mm. He is a straight man, but he always was very proactively driven for minority rights. And Mm. and so it's been important to him ever since uh, back then. So it's been very natural. Mm. And now I feel also responsibility being in the role that I have to actually be a role model as well, that, you know, regardless of anybody's ethnic background, sexuality, sexual preferences, you can be yourself and be proud of it because at the end of the day, it's all about being 360 of yourself. Because if you hide part of your life or don't talk about it, it doesn't actually people don't people don't get to know you yeah. if you proactively not share yeah. a part of you. And I don't think anybody does it in purpose. It's something that quite a, quite many people just learn to protect yourself. Mm. And quite often, it's unnecessary in mm-hmm. today's world. In yeah. some, there's a lot of countries, of course, around the world where it is a much bigger issue. Mm. Uh, we've just gone out with quite a lot of activity in caribbean um caribbean is one of our most important destinations but they are also very uh, homophobic still so how can we try to change the the thing, the way that the, the societies and and the governments act in those markets and we've now actually even quantified in in real money terms what is the impact for the local economy of not being a, a, inclusive um and of course many other markets we have we fly to being nigeria and many other markets so mm. So we believe that there's a role for us to play um, and try to drive inclusion. Um, and it's, of course, not only about who do you love, it's also um, ethnic minorities and other, other inclu- inclusion parts which are crucially important. Mm. Um, so we believe that we have a role to play and it's yeah. part of our brand.
0: Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I completely agree. You know, I've, I've always been in organisations where generally it's been very accepting of anyone but it hasn't always been like that. Mm. And, you know, from my point of view, as a a gender diversity, I've nearly always been the only woman in the boardroom, you know, so a different set of issues all again. Um, But I think the more role models there are and, you know, the the fact you're leading the way as a brand overall, but yourself personally as a leader, I think is fantastic. Um, And what is,
1: of course, amazing to see the younger generations, that for them doesn't really matter. (laughs) They don't even know why we even even talk about it, because it's completely... Insignificant, yeah. and I think that is great to see. Um, so yeah, yeah, we are the, we are probably the last generations so that still have been an issue. So um, we're preaching it to the to the new, next phase, a new oh. world.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and and of course, you know, you, you do a huge amount with pride, etc. You know, you're very much front and center, um, and I think that's brilliant. Absolutely. Um, so when you, and I'm conscious of the time because I could have you talking for hours. <laughs> We're just scratching the surface. i will have to do a follow up, of course. Um, so so when you look back at your your kind of career, and obviously you've had an illustrious career in aviation, and you obviously love the industry, and you knew from quite young, I suppose, that you wanted to you wanted to be in the sector. Can you think about What's the thing you've been most proud of over the all of the various businesses that you've ran, or the different things that you've done with the roles you've had?
1: I think it's really um, making the team shine, uh, and making sure that and, and see how people develop themselves, mm. um, and helping people to to take the next steps and develop the businesses. We all turn around the businesses we've been in. It's just really, I'm I'm very much a team guy in the sense that you know, it's not about Uh, me to shine is actually the team because at the end of the day there's not there's very few positions in the world that you can do it all by yourself yeah so it's about teamwork and 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 being able to take the team to the next level that's always exciting
0: Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, and, and of course, when you see the numbers come in as well, that's always nice as well, isn't it? But...
1: It does help. When you prove <laughs> the point that you did turn around that business that was losing money before, it does
0: help. <laughs> Absolutely. Brilliant. So if you were giving advice to someone coming into the travel industry today, because of course it's tough right now, what would you say to them? Is it a good career still to, still to join the industry, to join the aviation industry in particular?
1: I think moment in crisis is always a, always an opportunity as well. There's a lot of businesses that have to reinvent themselves or opportunities to create new businesses. Um, thinking about the fact that now we don't have to go back to the office full-time, hopefully we never will. We can work in multiple locations, you can be in different parts of the UK, you can you can have your staycation and work from there. Enjoy life in a different way. You still work as hard as before, probably more hard, but you actually have much more diverse life yourself. Um, embrace it enjoy it and uh, uh, be brave um because it's a it's a great industry to work in because there's you have the world, whole world around you and usually very fun amazing people that work in the industry
0: yeah we're a crazy bunch aren't yeah. we <laughs> we're definitely... we try to
1: get away ne- regularly but you always sort of keep on describing <laughs> back because it's just a fun bunch of people
0: yeah and anything that you look back on and you think oh i regretted that or i wish i'd done it differently
1: I think you need to quite often you need to trust your first sort sort of sort of, inst, sort of um, first instinct that you get. I think one thing that few, I think we all done that. You get an instinct, um, but you said no. Let's think about it again. Let's think about it again. Let's think about it. And quite often, usually not always, but usually, the first instinct that quite often is the right one. Mm. It relates to people. Um, it relates to business ideas. Um, just be again brave, um, curious. Because quite often your instinct is most likely correct.
0: Yeah. And have you got times when you haven't followed your your gut instinct and you've regretted not doing so? Uh,
1: Yes, probably I would have come back to the UK earlier than I'd actually end up coming. Um, You always wonder, you know, when I moved my career back back home, which of course I enjoyed as well, Mm. but I always felt London um, has been my real home. Yeah. So I could have done it earlier, but I'm here now.
0: Yeah, you're here now and all's good. all's good in the world and you're doing a fantastic job. So can you think... I've got the last few questions for you. Can you think of the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? I'm sure you've had loads of advice over the years, but any one that sort of stands out for you?
1: Probably the one that links to the word brave is about speak out, say your opinion. Um, because I sometimes, in the past, not anymore, I tried to fight against it. Say your opinion, because it's important, even though it's not always the right one. You know, it opens a conversation, it opens a different uh, dimension. Uh, Be brave to speak out your opinion, Mm. Uh, right or wrong, at least it gives another perspective.
0: Yeah, fantastic. And any advice that you um, maybe took and regretted or didn't work out quite so well? I won't call it bad advice because, you know, um, but any advice that you sort of think, actually, yeah, maybe I should have ignored that or
1: Well, some people think that I should have gone into um, be actually a news presenter.
0: Oh, really?
1: Yeah. Actually, for a long time, I, I considered that that would be fun. Um, but I was happy I didn't because um, you know, this is much more fun.
0: What would be the qualities that you would have had as a news presenter than you, huh?
1: I don't know. I always had a dream that, you know, I could be a new CNN news anchor. Wow.
0: Well. Hey, you're here on the podcast, so yeah, you know exactly. maybe this is I the start like of your new media career. You could do a talk show, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Listen, we've got we are on to something here. Gosh, that's that. Well, you never know. There's multiple careers to be had, aren't there? Exactly. So, uh, and then the final question, if I may, what does brave, bold, brilliant mean to you?
1: You and me. <sighs> Everyone should be brave, um, brilliant, courageous. Just believe in yourself.
0: Mm. fantastic well honestly I've, I've I can't thank you enough it's re- I've really enjoyed chatting as I say we could have been, we could have talked for hours and hours so we might have to do a follow-up but uh, where can people find you as well just in case they want to track you down for more inspiration from you
1: well follow me on LinkedIn I try to be active there uh, and Twitter you are Helsinki hashtag you are Helsinki I should have thought about it then when I created it <laughs> but um, it's you are Helsinki at least then people know I'm from Finland
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you very much. You are most definitely brave, bold and brilliant. (laughs) Thank you, Siné. Thank you so much. I really hope you've enjoyed Brave, Bold, Brilliant. Don't forget to subscribe and share with all your friends. And if you've enjoyed listening, I'd love it if you'd leave me a five-star review.